every successful person got there by going through tough times. Success is a hard-ass teacher who likes to knock you around along that journey. You know, it takes real guts to not give up and keep going. We'll hear stories about failures and how these leaders flip the script to create success. I'm John Schultz. Join me and let's discover how success is never really overnight. So welcome to the John Schultz podcast. Very excited to uh, speak to our guest today. Uh, he is co-founder Peter Phillips of Chip City Cookies. The greatest, thickest cookies you could possibly eat. You really can't eat a whole one. You have to actually cut it like it's like it's a cake, but it's so good you will probably eat the whole thing. Uh, he has bakeries in 14 locations throughout New York and counting. Uh, he co-founded the company in 2017 with his childhood friend, Teddy Galis, as a side hustle. I love that. It's yeah. the millennial side hustle. We always wondered what would happen with these side hustles, and you're showing us today. Uh, preparing to launch in Florida, D.C. Metro, Boston, Connecticut, and New Jersey, where I am, which I you know love New Jersey. And what I thought was amazing, and you know, obviously a lot of work to go and do, but recently... Shake Shack founder Danny Myers through enlightened hospitality investments invested 10 million, not not a hundred thousand, ten million dollars to accelerate your growth. You're obviously a passionate entrepreneur from a construction and real estate development background. And then a shout out to Andy Geller, who introduced us, who's our our friend. And uh, a shout out that Peter will be locating in the gateway center newark with a store we're we can't wait for that newark's going to be excited i'm excited so welcome peter thanks for coming thanks for having me john really appreciate you having me on today i'm so excited okay so here you have this co-founder this side hustle so so when did you first meet your childhood friend teddy how'd that happen and you know how old were you and how how'd that kick off yeah, we're friends from high school. We both uh, attended uh, Bronx High School of Science uh, here in, uh, in the Bronx in New York. And uh, we had a, a friendship that blossomed over the years. And uh, we always discussed doing something together. Teddy comes from a uh, food and hospitality background. His parents owned and operated diners throughout the city. Um, I come from the construction and real estate world, like you mentioned. And uh, knowing how difficult partnerships can be sometimes, we wanted to get our feet wet on something that was rather you know, a smaller size venture. So I found a 250-square-foot store in Astoria, Queens, um, and we opened our first location uh, July of uh, 2017 um, with one very small freezer. Our uh, initial business plan you know, consisted of uh, selling about 100 cookies a day, and uh, now we sell thousands of cookies uh, at our locations daily. So, All right, so cookies. I get it. Side hustle, childhood friend, you know. I know my friends and we're always batting off crazy ideas. I still do to this day. That's the fun part of having great relationships. But when you were younger growing up, you know, it's easy to say you're going to have a side hustle. Most people really don't. And if they do, they don't take that next step. Like what were some of your things that you did when you were growing up? Did you play sports? Like give us a yeah. little background of like what shaped you as young Peter? Yeah, I, th I think what shaped me the most, you know, is I grew up with a father um, who owned small businesses, who's a very uh, active entrepreneur. 
And, uh, you know, he always kind of schooled me to the idea that if you could run one business, you could run any business. And that the, uh, the, business, the principles that it takes to be successful, uh, you know, apply to, towards any category that you get involved with. And uh, he always encouraged me to, to try new things and uh, experience new things. And um, from that uh, led to, you know, this entrepreneurial spirit that I had, this passion to, to try and, and innovate. And uh, for me, it's uh, kind of my creative expression is uh, building a business, uh, building a concept. Uh, that's, that's my form of creativity and the way I express myself. So growing up, did you play sports? Did you work with your father at these? Yeah, companies? I worked, I worked, I worked in the offices. I, I was, you know, started, um, you know, uh, from a very young age, from, uh, from 18 years old, I had my real estate license and I was wheeling and dealing, um, working at my parent, my parents' office, and then eventually going out on my own into the city. And, uh, you know, I did, I played sports growing up, but definitely, uh, led to my competitive fire. I would say one of the events that really shaped me the most was um, in my time at Bronx Science. I was on the speech and debate team there, and uh, I got to travel all around the country uh, throughout my four years of high school every weekend um, in a different state uh, doing these debate tournaments. And uh, that for me was a really you know transformative and shaping experience, and and really helped cultivate me and uh, grow my uh, my passions. I love that because you know I think one of the hardest things to learn even though we have two ears and one mouth is how to listen well and how to actually hear what's coming at you without thinking what you're going to say next. And, I, you know, being on a debate team, I would think that would be a, a prime example of what you could learn and, and hone your craft with that. Uh, plus, you know, going out and pitching new ideas, right? You had to, whether it was an argument or a point that you were trying to create on the debate team, obviously I'm sure that shaped how you were able to, speak to, you know, from investors to just getting this whole thing started, which is terrific. So Definitely. how, so the construction, with debate, you, have to, you have to affirm and negate the topic. So sometimes you have to even learn to, to debate from the opposite side of your emotion or how you're feeling about something and learning how to remove yourself from the situation and, and be objective um, was really a, a critical part of the process. So. I love that. Cause that is the, that is the truth, right? To, they always say like, take a step back or take a deep breath or, you know, you know, and get your sort of prefrontal cortex out of the conversation before you react too quickly. Uh, so how did construction happen? Did you just apply to a job? Like how'd you get into the construction industry? Yeah. So I going, um, working in the real estate, that kind of like opened my eyes up to uh, some, some new development projects, being a broker from, uh, from a young age. Um, so I kind of got my feet wet a little bit there. Um, we had done a small development project in Astoria, uh, 21 condos, uh, with my father's family business. And uh, once I got a taste for it, you know, I just fell in love. It was uh, it's something I'm super passionate about. And again, just, you know, seeing a, a building come up from the ground, um, you know, just like the ultimate expression of creativity for me and just something I'm very passionate about. So, so I got my feet wet from that development project and I knew that it was something that I wanted to learn more. And, uh, you know, I really got my hands dirty, man. I was working for a masonry foundation subcontractor as a, uh, as a foreman on the job sites. I learned how to drive all of the, uh, heavy equipment there on the job sites, excavators, um, lulls, um, you know, bobcats. And, uh, and I got to do a lot of the work with my own hands and, uh, I really, really enjoyed that and, uh, just kind of shaped me and, uh, was, I realized then that it was something I wanted to, to continue with. You know, it's so funny, you know, obviously you're a younger guy. I work with lots of people that are looking to get into different careers when they graduate college or even a couple of years in. And, you know, everyone's looking for this big thing to happen. But 
Like I find like, you know what you want to do mostly by what you did that you find out you didn't want to do. Right. And yeah. when you test all the different, you know, avenues of any industry construction, getting on the trucks, whatever you were doing, you know, that the hands-on work you were doing, and I'm sure you did lots of other things. You start to get like, what are your real strengths in anything? Right. And what I love about that is when you look at building a brand, like you're building, and having stores and having to now supersize yourself with this new investment, real estate's a, a huge integral part of that. So how do you feel construction has, and just like doing that, not knowing what it was going to end up being, right? That it was going to be applied to this. What do you think uh, and how did that benefit you? Yeah. I mean, just everything you said is spot on, John, you know, one experience leads to the next in life. And um I never saw the path to where I am today beforehand, but now like looking back on it, it's so obvious kind of how one thing led to the next thing and led me to the next thing. And uh, having this experience in commercial real estate, my father is a landlord and also a property manager. And I was very seasoned um, negotiating uh, commercial leases from the landlord side. Um, and that was a really critical component to why we're so successful with Chip, because I have a lot of confidence now in negotiating leases and signing leases on behalf of the company. And then learning the other side of the business, the construction side, and being able to negotiate with contractors, um, being able to keep our construction costs down, and being able to utilize all of these things in terms of like how we approach the business and how we approach the buildouts um, has been critical to our success. So, you know, we and turn around years, jobs in less than 90 days. How many years were you in construction? Oh, my, my whole life I've had some, some experience with it, but I was like actively... Um, working for, for different contracting companies for about five years before I started my company. Um, so it's about 12 years total experience now. Wow. So that's good. And that, that's what's so interesting, right? Like you don't realize how things will lead, but they, they tend to lead if you, if you, you keep your you know, eyes open and ideas flowing. So, all right, Teddy. So we're back to you and Teddy. I, I love that you have a childhood friend. I have many you know, I'm involved with them in different things now as life, as life went on. Uh, but how did this idea then of Chip City cookies evolve? Like what, what, like, like what, what was the real story of how this happened? Like, how did he come up with it? You come up with it, you come up with it together. How did, how did it happen? Yeah, it was really a collaboration. Um, you know, like I said, this small store came available and I brought him over there and, uh, you know, we were kind of brainstorming different But how'd ideas. you get to cookies? Like, like yeah. how did the so, so it was a combination of factors. I think for both of us, it was like something nostalgic for us that we both felt passionate about. And um, we felt like it would be a really complimentary offering to a small coffee shop. So to have, um, you know, and then drawing inspiration from other businesses that are offering big cookies um, and seeing that trend, we felt like we could do something like that. Um, and we felt like where we could really innovate was with a variety of flavor offerings. And that's kind of where we separate ourselves is in our variety of flavors. You know, we have like over 40 base flavors with like another 20 seasonal flavors. We just launched, uh, we had a double new flavor launch happen on Friday. It was our new Brookie cookie and our caramel apple cider donut cookie. Um, so that's where we're, we really, you know, differentiate ourselves is how we innovate with the flavors. So here you are, you're like growing up. Did you ever think like, when I grow up, I want to make cookies? That That's why like, like it's almost, I'm, no, I'm no, still no. going to ask you again, like, how did you get to a, a cookie? It's like crazy. Yeah. You know, there's so many things you could, you know, have as a side hustle. And, and I love it. But did, did you like sweets when you were younger? Like, yeah, we, we definitely, um, I, like I said, Teddy and I both have a creative 
creative passion and we both like to experiment. Uh, Teddy was constantly in the kitchen working um, at, his, uh, at, his, at his family restaurants. Um, so, you know, we were both fans of cookies and we just felt like it was something that, you know, a lot of people connected with. And uh, that's, that's just how the brand was born. All right. So you have the 250 foot. All right. So how long did you have that until you said, oh, my God, we have real customers. Yeah. Our brand like, actually it has one. like a, a feeling, not cult like, but like has an absolute tribal like following. Right. So talk about yeah. that. It, it was like day one, man. I remember, you know, I had the idea to um, to give out some free product before we opened. So it was like a soft launch and we wanted to like just get a feel for our systems and like how, you know, how people were going to interact with the product. So we just did like a soft opening and we weren't even selling anything. We were just giving cookies out and like over 200 people walked in the door our first day, you know, without knowing that we were running any kind of free promotion or anything, just people walking in you could smell the fresh baked cookies coming off the street. So that was just like dragging people in the door. And that's one of the staples of our model is when you walk into a Chip City location, you get hit with this like crazy aroma of these fresh baked cookies and it's intoxicating, you know, it really just pulls you in. So um, I would say day one, I realized we had something and then um, we got some really great press early on. Insider Foods picked us up like a couple of weeks after we opened and uh, there was lines that followed after that first Insider video. We could not even keep up with the demand. We were be open two or three days out of the week, uh, just struggling to keep up with with production. So you so okay. So now at least you feel this has a real chance, right? I mean, yeah. You yeah. you took a risk. You know, side hustle to reality is is a, is a big move. You put some money in. You invested, right? Yeah. You sit, you focused on this rather than your construction job to a, to a, a bigger. Well, yeah, they, they, they go hand in hand. You know, I still have my carpentry company and I have uh, a team of carpenters on staff and we're exclusively filled up with building ship cities. Now I don't take on any outside work, but I've been able to keep that company. And uh, that. Teddy ended up leaving the, uh, his family restaurants to focus on, on this project full time. Um, yeah. And it's become all consuming. So, you know, Definitely never saw this happening. I never envisioned myself as the cookie man, like people call me now. But um, I mean, to be a part of a brand and a company that brings people a smile and makes people happy is, uh, is an awesome, awesome feeling. And to now have a group like Union Square Hospitality attached to us um, through, through the investment arm in Leiden, uh, to have recognition from an established and uh, you know, restaurateur like Danny Meyer, um, who appreciates our culture and the systems that we put in place and the operation that we run. I mean, it's an incredible validator. I feel like uh, we're living a dream. That's like being picked by the best coach team yeah. you could possibly be picked, right? Because yeah. uh, I'm sure they look at hundreds of deals a year, if not more. Yeah. And, you know, there's lots of other cookie companies out there that I'm sure they could have gotten involved in. So good for you. I love it. So, all right. Then when did you get your second store, your third store? When did the, like things start amplifying and what would you say was your biggest challenge being a new entrepreneur and really a vertical that you, you really are learning as you go as much as yeah. you found yeah. the right recipe for because like the cookies are out of uh, unbelievable right like but still Thank like you. how do you force how do you amplify that and what went through and what were your ups and downs what were your challenges you know how many times did you actually think oh my god this it, it's over like, like, yeah, a lot of times, a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, uh, those are really great questions and that's exactly kind of the things that we went through, but learning how to, you know, create, you know, right now we're having 18,000 square foot 
production facility where we make all of our own product. Uh, we don't outsource anything. Everything is done internally within our own our own network. And um, you know, creating the production facility that we needed with the capacity that we needed uh, for this business was was not something that either one of us had experience with. Um, so we're very blessed that we found a lot of good people along the way. Um, we've had a lot of great success stories here where people have grown from entry level positions into um, you know, into uh, manage upper management positions and our partners now in the company. Um, one of the first people that we picked up was a young woman named Andrea Prunella, who is now our chief operating officer and also a partner in the company. Um, I remember I hired Andrea within like 10 seconds of interviewing her. Um, I just felt like she had such a passion for, for what we were doing. And, um, you know, we've learned uh, together through, through trial and error. And, um, you know, we started off kind of uh, slowly. Um, we had four units open going into until we shut down uh, for a month when COVID hit. And um, I think uh, after coming out of COVID and surviving that, which was, you know, the scariest time, you know, I've ever experienced, I, I really thought we were going to lose everything. Uh, we couldn't get people to come back to work. Uh, we were shut down for a whole month. Um, so once we made it out of that, and not only did we make it out, but we thrived, um, gave me a lot of confidence. And I was like, you know what, now is the time. Let's, let's put the pedal down, you know, let's put our foot down on the gas and, and push this and see how far we can take it. And isn't it amazing that, and that's why I love what I'm doing with the topic of this show, which is the myth of overnight success, right? It looks really great when the $10 million uh, investment comes in and it's in the papers and but like you went through COVID as a brand new company, being a young person. And I feel like everything that I've done well, it was when I had to go through something and I had confidence that I got through it, that actually I, I started believing in myself more. So as a younger person and you know, being an entrepreneur, do you feel that's what COVID did for you? And and like yeah. what do you it was, feel? Um, go ahead. No, that that's the question. Yeah, you know, definitely. It gave me uh, a tremendous amount of confidence in myself and my team. Um, you know, being able to navigate that storm, being able to bounce back and being able to come back strong was was the ultimate validator of our business and our model um, and uh, gave me all the confidence that we needed to, to really push the envelope and see what, what we can achieve. Um, and again, just seeing the team grow and develop, seeing myself grow and develop. Uh, you know, we have over 170 employees now. Um, and I've never, I've never had anything done anything like this before on, on this scale. Um, you know, I used to manage a lot of guys on the construction site, but you know, it's, this is a whole different animal uh, spread out over so many locations and spread out over this, you know, geography. So, you know, just finding confidence in myself, finding resolve, making it through these hard times, believing in my team, trusting in my team, uh, learning how to be a better leader and listener every day. You know, these are the things that are, are, you know, helping push this company forward. Right. But you made a very big decision, which most people don't, is you felt, and I, I think I read somewhere, you know, you feel like you have nine equity partners from the COO to the chief pastry chef. So listen, all these tech companies give out options, but that doesn't mean you're an owner of the company, right? You, you, yeah. you basically have warrants or whatever, and you're there and you, if you stay long enough, you get them. As a young person, what made you feel you needed to bring these people into the fold in a much bigger, more beneficial way? I needed them to care about the company the way that I care about the company. And I felt like the only way to achieve that is to have somebody that, you know, has ownership the way that I have ownership. And, um, you know, I'm lucky that I have a co-founder that, you know, shared that belief system because not, not too many people would get on board with the idea of just giving away pieces of their company. 
But um, I knew that, you know, for us to, to really grow this into what I wanted it to be and the vision that I needed it to be, we needed to bring on these key people. And, you know, we have such a diverse, talented team um, with uh, experience across a wide range of industries and uh, backgrounds and uh, them having ownership and having the same love that I have for the business and the same love my co-founder had for the business has been instrumental in our success. And I have never regretted that decision for one minute. Um, and it's paid off. It's paid off dividends for, for all of us. You know, it's funny. It's like 100 percent of nothing is nothing. Right. Yeah. So that was a great move. And, you know, owning it and feeling like you own it and acting as if you own it. I, I just think that's what makes companies productive and, and grow. And, you know, you got to scale. Right. Like so here we are. You got 14 stores and now you, you're going to have to produce and, and go get to scale. What do you think? First of all, what have some of the challenges been scaling to this point? And what do you think some of the future challenges could be that you need to, you know, focus on to scale at a level now that's going to be way different than you're used to? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's always a balance, right? Because, you know, we've moved our kitchen five times in five and a half years of existence. Um, you know, we went from a, a little closet to an 18,000 square foot facility now. And we're going to need even a bigger facility down the road, depending on, you know, uh, how we expand uh, across the nation. So, um, you know, just kind of learning how to not stretch ourselves too thin, while at the same time giving the company room to grow has been a real, you know, um, has been a real balancing act. And, um, you know, like I said, having these partners that have had equity in the company and have interest in the upside, you know, has allowed us to run a really lean operation because we all have the same goal here and we're all going to benefit, you know, from, from the, from the, you know, from the big finish that we're hoping to achieve. So. So what is your favorite cookie flavor? I might ask. Oh, that's, that's tough, John. Uh, there's so many good ones, but God, come um, on. Everyone wants to hear it. Like it may not be forever, but it. like, what is it? So my, so my background is I'm Greek. Um, my family's from, from Greece and we do a, a baklava cookie uh, once a year for Greek Easter. So I, I would have to say that the baklava cookie is, uh, is my favorite. And what flavor has not worked? Like what, what are some of the ones that didn't work? Cause like, you know, obviously you have your flavors. Have you had a, a bomb, like something that didn't work? No, everything has been a, been a success, obviously, you know, varying degrees, but you know, the one thing that's unique to everybody is we all kind of have our own taste buds and everybody likes different things. Uh, so there hasn't been anything that, that hasn't been a success. And uh, we follow a real, you know, we're not just doing like, you know, flavors that make no sense. You know, everything that is kind of inspired by our menu is something that's nostalgic for people or is something that you already have some kind of familiarity with. Um, so that's been a key part of our, of our model. And it's worked very well for us. And why not cupcakes? <laughs> just we're, we're a cookie brand, you know, I feel like uh, nowadays you want to be niche and you want to be specialized and uh, cupcake cookies are, are where we want to be. So with all the competition out there, right? I guess you got other brands that yeah. are in this. There, there's been before you and, and like now, you know, it seems like for some reason there's more of these brands than ever. What, what, what's, what's your your thoughts on that? Like why? Like why all of a sudden? Are there all well, these brands? Yeah. So the industry in general has exploded. A lot of popularity um, with cookies right now. I think that, you know, one of the main drivers for our success is that we're very social media driven. Um, you know, we've done, had great, great success with Instagram, uh, now with TikTok. Um, and cookies as a medium translate very well through social media. So I think that part of our social media driven culture is one of the reasons why cookies have been so, so popular. They photograph well. They, they translate well through that medium um, and it gets people interested in it. 
And um, like I said, I think that the, the feelings of nostalgia, everybody has kind of this memory of, uh, of a fresh baked cookie out of the oven. Um, and I think that really connects with people. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, that, that's why I think cookies in general are doing so well. Um, and I think where we separate ourselves is, you know, I, I really believe that we are best in class and uh, we give a different level and attention to our production um, than any of these other brands out there. We control our entire production process. We make all of our cookies from scratch. Uh, we do not work with co-packers and that's caused us to grow a little bit slower than some other brands that are franchise models or whatnot. You know, we're entirely corporate owned um, by, by one team. Um, but, you know, we feel like it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And uh, that's why we've taken our time to make sure that we can maintain the quality of the product. And we never want to grow at the expense of the quality of the product. Is that why you picked Danny Meyer? Like, let, let's talk a little bit about yeah. that. Because yeah. at the end of the day, what you're saying is not usually what growth equity wants. Exactly. Right? They, yeah. Yeah. they want you to scale as fast as possible and, you know, beat the competition. So yeah. uh, why did you choose them? Obviously, I'm sure you had other suitors that would want your cookie uh, empire to, yeah. to grow. Yeah. And, no, and you, you, hit, you hit the nail on the head. Um, enlightened hospitality doesn't make investments purely based on the numbers. Um, you know, they really are looking for the other intangibles, you know, the way people react to your product, the culture that you create for your employees. And uh, that was what was most attractive um, to us about, about Enlightened and about Danny Meyer um, is that they do look at all of these things outside the lines. And uh, that was something that we always did here in the company. And it was a really difficult process for us when we first started talking to other venture capital groups because they don't look at these things. And, uh, you know, I kind of felt like I was smacking my head against the wall trying to explain to these people why these things are, you know, important to the culture that we created. And if you lose these intangibles, we're not going to be Chip City any longer. And then we found the group like Enlightened, um, which consists of uh, Mark Levitt, um, Danny Myers, uh, uh, college roommate, and uh, the other managing partner, Pete Mavritis. And, uh, they have a uh, culture in their, in their blood. And uh, we really had that connection. And I'm just really grateful that we found them um, and that we can continue to do things the way that we do them here at Chip City. You know, Danny says all the time about Shake Shack, you know, he's not gonna be the first or last person to make a burger and fries and a shake, but um, you know, operating on a different level and bringing the best possible experience to the consumer will separate you. And that's what we do here at Chip City. And that's why we're the best. How funny is that, that you and Teddy and Danny and who was his college roommate? Mark Levitt. How cool is that? I, I mean, that's sort of weird, right? Like yeah, you both yeah, have a, a lot of synergy there. Yeah. A lot of synergies. I love that. So what would you say that, because like it's brick and mortar and then you got, you know, this whole internet presence, which you said you had. And like, if you look at like Warby Parker untuck it they started digitally native and then they saw they got this halo effect from having bricks and mortar along with online for cost of acquisition of a customer how do you see that since now you know i think everyone realized you need both today how's your online sales compared to the brick and mortar like does brick and mortar really give that halo effect to the customer yeah. online like what 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 have you learned from that since you're sort of doing it simultaneously and you know, do you have TikTok influencers and in like, is all that matter? And, and get, yeah, you know, I mean, influencer audience, outreach. Like what, yeah. yeah. Influencer outreach has been one of the staples of, of our marketing strategy from, from the beginning, you know, connecting with influencers, you know, these people have a hold over the people that watch their content. 
and uh, connecting with them and getting the, the product into their hands has been crucial to our success um, from day one. So, you know, you don't want to get away from, from the fundamentals in life. When you have something that works, you keep going with it. Um, so we've just been really disciplined in sticking towards, you know, to what we know. And um, we're applying that same strategy now as we grow out of state. Um, and we're going to continue to work through our social media channels. But yes, retail, retail is everything for us. You know, everything. Do you have an online order? Yeah. Do, do you get a lot of online orders or they have to come to the store? Like, so yes, we have, now we do, but it all started with the retail. So it's so important that we continue to expand our, our retail footprint because um, just getting the cookie by itself is not the whole Chip City experience. You know, walking into the store and getting hit with that aroma and the way that our, our employees are so excited about the brand, that's all part of the Chip City experience. So we feel like, you know, we've turned down a lot of deals with a lot of um, you know, companies that want to do ghost kitchens and things like that for us because we really want to lead with the retail. We want your first experience with Chip City to be a new store in your market. Um, we do also offer the product now. Um, you can order it through uh, Uber's uh, Ship Anywhere program. You can get cookies overnight anywhere in the country now. We have a great relationship with Uber uh, for local deliveries as well, which represents a considerable portion of the business now. Um, but it all started with the retail, and uh, we're going to keep going with the retail. So. so how funny is that? You're a young man doing what you're doing, starting a company, doing it the opposite of what was happening 10 years ago with Warby Parker, untucking all these digital native brands that also ended up eventually having bricks and mortar. I remember, you know, I'm older than you, you know, when, when Amazon and everything came out, you know, the, no more retail ever. Right. And obviously we went through that whole change and it has changed. There's less retail, smaller store formats, you know, different strategy, yeah. but like at the end of the day, people are human and like, experience when I walked into your store, I was like, Oh my God, I did feel that like, Oh wow. I like, I could just hang out here and breathe yeah. the air in. I'm praying uh, with gateway center, like to even bring more people back to the office. Right. Cause then now we're going through the whole COVID and everyone's rejiggering sort of how they work and you know, yeah. the whole hybrid conversation that's going on. But I'm so, uh, I, I, I love, I love your, 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 your bricks and mortar first strategy. Cause that's yeah. not, you know, if you interview most companies, that's not been what it has been in retail in the past. So it's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's pretty cool that, like you said, we've kind of done it um, kind of the old school way, but with our, our new flavor on it, you know, we have uh, our, our stores operate with electric convection ovens. So we don't have venting or ansel systems the way most restaurant concepts do. Um, and that's, uh, that's kind of where the challenge is for a lot of these uh, types of concepts growing. So we, we've kind of taken a fresh approach towards the model and, you know, we can operate out of a very small footprint. Our, our smallest current store currently is like 350 square feet, um, going all the way up to about a thousand or 1200. So, um, you know, we definitely have a, uh, a new approach on an old strategy. So is the 1200, you can actually sit in there and like, yeah, so we, have, we have, uh, yeah, we have some opening now that are, you know, have a little bit more seating and more comfort for people. Um, so, you know, definitely uh, depending on which market, you know, we're into, uh, we're going to have slightly different stores. Every store is a unique design because we want every neighborhood to know that you're important to us and uh, that, you know, we're not just treating it as a, as a cookie cutter experience. Um, so every time you walk into a Chip City, no you'll pun see a intended. lot of intended. No pun what? intended there, a cookie cutter experience. Yeah, exactly. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So uh, one more question. I have to ask you this. I can't help you. Can't help it. What is your favorite non-dessert food? My favorite non-dessert food. Um, yeah. I'm I'm a big steak guy. I love steaks. 
Yeah. So steak and cookies. I love it. Peter Lugers has always been a favorite of mine. Even there you Peter, go. Peter Lugers, yeah. And what would you say? Because I, I obviously uh, we've learned so much about you, and I, I I could feel the energy coming from the screen uh, being on you know this interview with you. What like if you could pick one or two things, like what brings you coming back day after day with that level of energy? Like, oh, it's, like, it's, what, the people, it? it's the people, you know, it's all the staff that we have here. Um, you know, I just want to make sure that, you know, everybody walks away from this um, with, with the best possible experience. You know, we've been able to change a lot of lives here and I come back for my team with this energy every day because they need me to be that guy. And uh, also for our, you know, our customers, um, like I said, all the joy that we bring people, um, my little cousins, they get so excited about the brand, you know, it has nothing to do with, with their attachment to me, but just seeing the way little kids react to the brand and the love that they have for it. You know, I really feel like we're, we're part of something special here. And uh, that gets me so excited to come back to work every day. You're like the Willy Wonka guy for your, your nephews and nieces. I mean, come on, you're the modern day. I love it. It's great. Yeah. All right. Well, how can people find like where, where you know, I, I said you're planning on all these different areas. I guess you're coming to Jersey. Like wh where are your next opening so people can know? Yeah. So the next three units we're opening are all going to be in Jersey. We're opening uh, our Hoboken location. Um, we're opening the, the Gateway Project at Junction at Gateway. And uh, we're opening another one in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Um, so those are the next three that we're opening. And uh, you could follow us for updates on our website at uh, chipcitycookies.com or through our social media channels at Chip City Cookies. And, um, you know, we have a lot more stores to open, like you said, throughout the tri-state area. We're going into Boston, into the DMV, they call it, which is a DC proper, Maryland and Virginia. And uh, we're opening a lot of units throughout the state of Florida. Well, listen, this was so much fun. I'm so happy for you. Uh, you know, what I learned from you is you, you, it seems like you stick to your roots. I mean, even how you picked and, you know, obviously you had other offers to go with the Danny Meyer group. Uh, you stuck with your principles. Uh, you know, I loved your answer. Why do you come back every day? The people. Because really that's all that really does matter is being around people and supporting, you know, that support each other and, and all on a mission, right? And all have a, 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 a place that everyone wants to go and you go together. So thanks for being here. I, I can't thank you enough. Thank you, Jonathan. It's been a pleasure uh, since we met and uh, you have that same passion and uh, I really appreciate you having us a part of the, uh, the Junction uh, Gateway. We can't wait to, to launch that new location. We love Newark. We can't wait. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.